0: In this episode of Tez Podagogy, I'm joined by Carol Dweck, Lewis and Virginia Eaton Professor of Psychology at Stanford University, and the woman behind growth mindset theory. Carol Dweck, thank you for joining us on the Tez Podagogy podcast. Um, we've spoken a lot over the past couple of years, we've, we've run lots of stuff on growth mindset. How has mm-hmm. the journey from for you been on growth mindset? Have you been surprised at the take-up? Have you been? Was this ever your intention to be... Uh, edgy famous as we call it over here?
1: (laughs) The journey has been exciting uh, with many surprising turns in the road Um, the uptake of growth mindset its popularity in education the excitement many teachers are feeling that is extremely gratifying at the same time we've learned so much we've learned that growth mindset is not as simple a concept as we thought. Many people misunderstand it or misuse it. We've really learned in the past couple of years that it's not at all intuitive how to implement it in the classroom. A teacher may have a very deep and meaningful growth mindset but. Still How do you embody it in the classroom? We've learned that just saying the words growth mindset or putting a poster up or giving a lecture on it is not enough. It has to be embodied in the educator's behavior throughout, um, throughout the day and we was can it um, hear. Where did you
0: originally sort of conceive of this work? I mean, was this, was this a study in, in teachers or was this a study in, in general, in perceptions about how we view uh, ourselves and our abilities? Where was your sort of initial yes, spark? It,
1: be- it began as a study of students. Uh, way back when I was in graduate school, I was curious about why some students were able to persevere effectively and others just kind of gave up, were devastated when they had setbacks. And um, I saw that this was quite separate from how able they were on a task. So I embarked on this program of research that's been going on for almost 50 years. And uh, it built, it built, it built. And then at some point, my students and I had the insight that maybe just the fundamental way that students looked at their abilities, whether they saw it as something fixed that they had to measure and prove all the time, or something they could develop, um, that this played a key role in whether they took on challenges, whether they persisted in the face of obstacles. So that was kind of the origin. This is basically all that I've ever studied
0: and do you think, um, were you expecting, you know, obviously lots of academics work in, in quite isolation and there's a lot of research that's done that might be useful in a classroom but but never really gets yeah. noticed or seen. Were you were you always thinking, I, I'm onto something here, this this is something that, you know, teachers are going to grasp hold of or you, you hope they would or was or this something that you you thought was sort of a side issue for teachers? Were you expecting the the response as such?
1: I always wanted to do work, and I always thought I did work that was relevant Mm -hmm. to students' um, achievement, to their motivation, and that was relevant for teachers and parents to know about. But for the first many, many years, we psychologists, We psychologists just published in our journals and, you know, sought to communicate information to each other. And that was where our gratification came from. Mm. But in around um, 2003 or so, my students um, began to mutiny. (laughs) They began to say... No, this has to get out into the world. They felt that they and their families had been helped by our insights, our research, and they felt strongly that I had almost a moral obligation to disseminate the work and to put it into the public sphere. So that's when I wrote Mindset.
0: And a lot of um, a lot of the sort of Other academics around education, and uh, like Dylan William, for example, I've Mm -hmm. asked them, you know, education research around motivation. What do we know? And the response has always been sort of, well, it's a it's a field that we haven't really looked at that much. There's been Mm -hmm. a lot of education research around the process of learning, the you know, cognitive load theory at the moment, the Robert Bjork um, work and Elizabeth Bjork work on memory, but. Mm-hmm. The motivation side seems to be largely neglected. I mean, was that part of your uh reason for going so public as well? And that there is a space there. There is there is a, yes. a a lack.
1: Yes, it was all about formal pedagogy. Do you say that word differently?
0: No, no, that's no, that's exactly the same, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> um it was all about um how do you teach this subject matter? And um Motivation, frankly, was also missing from psychology for many years. Mm. Uh, I never abandoned it. I always saw it as the heart of learning. Uh, But then my colleagues and I wanted to introduce it as the heart of learning to educators. Of course, pedagogy will always be important, but uh, you have to have that fertile ground. You have to have students eager to learn, eager to take on challenges, eager to explore new topics and stick to them. And by the way, it's more critical than ever because that's what the modern world is about. Mm -hmm. People may have to have several careers. They may have to invent jobs. The jobs will require that you see problems, take them on, um, wrestle them into shape, test hypotheses, revise your strategies, that's what, the uh, the robots will do everything else, Um, and probably plenty of that, too. Um, So I think this is crucial, and especially in a time where this emphasis on testing is having quite the opposite effect, making students into test-takers, not not challenge-seekers and persisters. Uh, so, you know, part of our desire is to align what students, how students feel in school, what they do in school, with what will help them thrive in the future.
0: And how do we? I mean, where does where does your perception of, well, where does your sorry definition of growth mindset differ from the definition that is happening in many schools, aside from the sort of um, the mm. posters, the motivational posters that I yes. see quite a lot, where, where do you think the fundamental difference between your definition and, and the um, teacher's definition, but also yeah. the definition between people who try to replicate your studies and have then claimed yes. that, that it's not yes. replicable where, where does it all, where do the difference points sit? Yeah,
1: so first of all Um, our definition of growth mindset is the idea that talents and abilities can be developed. Mm -hmm. They're not just fixed traits. They're qualities that can be developed over time through learning, through mentoring, through hard work, through good strategies. And um, Many people uh, have used it that way, but also um, some educators have just seen it as reducing to effort. Oh, by the way, let me say, a growth mindset doesn't deny talent. Mm -hmm. It doesn't deny that kids can differ from each other. It doesn't say anyone can be Albert Einstein or Marie Curie. It just says everyone is capable of growth. And in the end, we have no idea who's capable of blossoming. Into uh, uh, someone who makes astounding contributions. That said, um, some educators are reducing it just to effort. And they're uh, just telling kids to try hard or you can do it if you try hard. And uh, far from a growth mindset, that's called nagging, <laughs> which has never worked and never will work. Um, and also, just telling kids to try hard. If those kids are in a more of a fixed mindset framework, we know that in that framework, you only need a lot of effort if you're not that smart. Mm. And so teachers may be sending the opposite uh, message. Some educators think, oh, I have a growth mindset, I'm open-minded. And that's great, but it's not a growth mindset. Growth mindset really is about the belief that kids are capable of growing their talents and dedication to making that happen for every single student.
0: Is that the same misinterpretation that some of the researchers who tried to replicate the studies have made? That they they haven't really understood the the base research to to that you've done to to try and replicate that, or if there yeah. other factors been going on there?
1: Yeah, yeah, we see um, some. Uh, replications that don't really understand the theory we have hundreds of, of studies, hundreds um, where um, we've really analyzed what goes into it, we've really tested very carefully different aspects of the theory it's, it's got a lot of subtlety and if you just kind of go in there and explain growth mindset you can't expect to really create it in mm-hmm. students.
0: Something Dylan Williams said actually was that it. the part of the problem is that actually growth mindset is very complex and thinking about that what what you're saying is that it seems to me is that you, there is a attitude level of teaching where you believe that a child is, is capable of growth and, and, and Bettering themselves in, in whatever subject, even if they appear to hate that subject yes. and not attain in it. But then, yes. there's a set of pedagogy approach to that that actually you're still working on. And I know you're working on an academic with an academic in Australia about you know what pedagogy sits alongside. Yeah, we're
1: very very interested in that because as I mentioned, it's hard to transmit. It, as you said, and as Dylan Williams saying, it's got complexities and subtleties that need to be transmitted. Um, We are um, many members of my, uh, I call it my team, but they're my former students. They're now professors in their own right. Uh, It's more like I'm on their team than they're on my team. But anyway, our team. Um, And in collaboration with Susan Mackey and her colleagues in Australia, We're beginning to identify. Once we saw how hard it was to transmit, we said, that is our responsibility. We're not going to say, oh, educators, you didn't do it right. That may be why you're not reaping benefits. Oh, uh, you know, that's your fault. We took it as our mission to do research on when it translates, when it doesn't, how to do it right, um, and how, how to create a curriculum, a step-by-step curriculum for teachers so that everybody can do it right. And by the way, um, uh, the team led by my former student, David Yeager, conducted a nationwide study last year in the U.S. We want to see where it does even our um online program where doesn't it work where doesn't it take hold and why so we don't think it works every time everywhere we want to know where doesn't it work and how can we improve it to make it work so i feel like we are in some ways at the beginning of our journey
0: Mm, i was going to say actually it's, it's interesting isn't it how academics and it's not just you it's i've spoken to anders ericsson about this about deliberate practice they they put a theory forward and then it's interpreted as this is done this is this is something that's ready packaged on the supermarket shelf for us yeah. to, to take and use and there seems to be a lot of personal animosity attached to you know like oh Anders or or Carol Dweck is trying to trying to fool us when actually you're you're putting forth an idea how how dangerous is that interpretation of of taking something that people think is fully formed. Because I know from our discussions and the articles you've written for Tez, you've never claimed it to be fully formed, but people have taken it that way. It's quite dangerous. Do you think that that is a damaging relationship with research that people don't engage yet?
1: Yeah, that's a fantastic question. I think it's a misunderstanding of science. Hmm. So, Anders Erickson, I. Uh, we're not putting out something that we're saying is the gospel. We're putting out something that says, this is our current understanding. We are still, this is the process of science. We're putting it out, um, and we're getting feedback, and if someone says, I have a study that says something different, we say, great, tell me how I can learn from it. Mm. Uh, I think the adversarial um, relationship is unnecessary we are eager to learn we are eager to learn where we're wrong where it doesn't work so that we can make it better um, so it's it, it, it that's the process of science
0: mm. time and, and error and, and yeah I'll yeah. never
1: be done correcting and amending and improving so i i don't feel that animosity goes into it i don't have animosity toward anyone and i'm i'm i'd be concerned if they had it toward me
0: <laughs> And do you think then that obviously creating a pedagogy for a uh, growth mindset i mean that's a huge task because essentially you're trying to find the the sort of the, the golden rule of education, something mm-hmm. that, that can be effective and something that we've, we've tried to do over and over again. And do, is, this, is this the point where you almost ha- have to do a meta-analysis of all the other studies into pedagogy and say, okay, which ones of those apply to us? Or how do you even start to make that process happen?
1: Yeah, uh, we don't see the mindsets as the answer or the one and only key To education, we think it can be a really important part. Mm. And um, as you're suggesting, it is important to see what are other key aspects of pedagogy that can be integrated with growth mindset so that they maximize each other's effectiveness.
0: And do you think, I mean, you've been studying this for so many years, and I think most teachers would go into teaching thinking, I, you know, I want every child to, to achieve their best. But is that, you know, in your experience, and obviously it must be to, to develop growth mindset, that's always a conditional best. You know, it's a, it's a conditional assessment of, a, of ability. Is, mm-hmm. is that where what you, you, you sort of witnessed, if you like?
1: I, I think that, uh, well, I've seen many teachers who say, yes, I, I want to help every child <coughs> um, grow, th- grow their abilities, do their best, um, fulfill their potential. Um, and the teachers that have really bowled me over are the ones who understand you cannot know what any child is capable of mm. and who, who are themselves, the teachers themselves, learn better every year how to unlock the motivation and learning in kids, that, that to them it's a puzzle, it's their life's puzzle to figure out how to reach and, and to teach uh, um, kids who have not learned well in the past. And also to reach high-achieving kids who are petrified of challenges who run from mistakes and setbacks? The problems are at every level, not just the kids who are not currently achieving.
0: Does that count for special education needs students who might not be on a, who might not be progressing on the same, um, the same sort of curriculum targets as, as, as I guess, mainstream children? Are, yeah, is the, is the easiest way of describing it. It's probably not an accurate way of describing it. But the the, the children who are in Special schools in the in the UK who might be on the different, you know, very incremental, small levels of yeah. progress. Do you? I mean, I don't know if you've done any work in that way. Do you see more of a growth mindset because in, in those teachers, because because they have, to, you know, they are cherishing every small, you know, yeah. any any advances that's small, or is it similar mm-hmm. across the board?
1: I'm no expert on special education, um, but. Educate, some special education educators may see it as their job to make kids happy at their mm. current low level, whereas others may see um, uh, some kind of untapped potential. As I said, growth mindset doesn't say anyone can achieve anything. But we also have to keep in mind that, at least in my country, kids are put in special education for many reasons, mm. um, behavioral problems. Uh, some attentional problems, um, but many of them are capable uh, of, you know, very good learning, and we have to look for that and, um, again, take that as far as we can.
0: And is there, a, an, you know, an ideal age where a teacher can have an impact, you know, in terms of the phases of education? Is growth mindset more... have more an impact at certain sort of age ranges, or can, you know... <laughs> Can uh, whether you're six or sixty, can can you have an, can you have an impact?
1: Well, the research shows it can have an impact at any age. I'm very interested in whether, and we don't know the answer. I'm very interested in whether kind of early immersion, whether it's kind of like language, where early immersion makes you a native speaker. You don't. Uh, you um, maybe if you are immersed in a. Really deep, true growth mindset environment early on. You just don't know any other way. Mm. Um, so yes, I'm I'm very very interested in that. Uh, one line of our work shows that you can kind of start detecting a form of the mindsets in toddlers. Oh, wow. It doesn't mean it's stable. It doesn't mean um, you know that that's uh, rich for life. But they it, it, at around three and a half they can start thinking they're good or they're bad. They're bad if they fail. It's something stable. And uh, it it might be important at that age when their conceptions of themselves are forming to uh, foster this orientation toward growth. But this this is something we're incredibly interested in. Uh, But I think the bottom line is it's never too late.
0: And is, it, um, is there any particular demographic that suffers from a fixed mindset or uh, s- level of social deprivation or um, gender? Are there any of those factors mm-hmm. that correlate?
1: <clears throat> I, would, I would put it this way. It's, we think it's not so much that certain groups have more of a fixed mindset but that certain groups are um, are vulnerable, more vulnerable when they do have a fixed mindset. So we've done research on um, women in math and science, and so have other people. And what seems to be the case is not necessarily that females have more of a fixed mindset than males, but if you're laboring in an area where your group is negatively stereotyped, well, then a negative stereotype is a a label put on your group. It says this ability is fixed. Your group doesn't have as much. If you share, uh, if you have a fixed mindset and then you start struggling, you might start thinking if you're a minority group member or a female, maybe they're right. Maybe we don't have it. You might start getting discouraged. Mm. Uh, so a fixed mindset can make you vulnerable if you're a member of a negative stereotype, nev- negatively stereotyped group. There are many other factors that make you vulnerable, like the uh, attitudes or biases of others, but your sharing a fixed mindset could make you more susceptible to the negative impact of stereotypes
0: that sounds a very com- I mean we are starting to get a real insight to the complexity of researching this because obviously in any given group of students that you're you're dealing with and studying you're dealing with all those variables presumably and and yes. trying to monitor the yes. impact of one act, one external act, impact uh, intervention on those children, it must be exactly. incredibly difficult.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: I mean, can you, to a degree, guard against that? I mean, what, what's the level of, sort of, um, you know, when you're, when you're conducting a study, how do you sort of manage those variables?
1: Great question. Um, that's what experiments do, where... Um, Say you take one group of students and you teach them a growth mindset, and another group. Uh, you don't ever teach them a fixed mindset, but you give them similar material, but it doesn't have that active ingredient. And then you see, does the group that learn the growth mindset tend to fare better? You haven't changed anything else. You haven't changed the bias they may encounter in their environment, you haven't uh, changed the material that they're asked to learn, but you've kind of maybe flipped a switch in their head more toward a growth mindset, and then you see are they more motivated, do they stick to things, Uh, do they do better. So in different studies we've asked um, do the vulnerable groups do uh, uh get better grades over time, uh, do they carry a full course load in their first semester at university? So we look at a lot of uh, uh, different possible outcomes. And when you do that very targeted experiment, you just leave everything else equal between the two groups. Mm.
0: And aiming for as, as close to parity as you can between the two groups in terms of mm-hmm. social makeup, gender? Oh
1: yes, 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 yes. Then you match them, you have an equal number of males and females, equal number of people from different groups in both your growth mindset and your control group, exactly.
0: And from those studies obviously you, you found that this has a positive effect and other research yeah. found a negative effect. I mean. I mean, you seem you're one of the most open people to debate. I think I, I've encountered. I mean, are you open to the to the possibility that it, it's too hard to replicate in education. That it that maybe this is something that teachers aren't ever gonna be able to get grasp. Take your sort of theoretical base and put it into mainstream, and by that I mean national context. Or yeah, are you so hateful? we're
1: we're determined and dedicated to do everything in our power to uh, help teachers implement effectively because, um, not only because that's, that's what we do, um, but also we've seen it implemented effectively. It's incredible.
0: And so that's dri- that that sort of chink of uh, light drives yeah. you on to see how you can roll that out
1: largely. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want it left to chance that some educators really happen to get it and happen to figure out how to implement it and and it's just thrilling and then other people don't and we're not going to say well that's too bad um but we're going to do everything in our power to to create programs that that can help everyone. Um, but again, we're we're open to where it doesn't work. Um, in the in the large national study that we've completed, we're open to the possibility that there are many schools it didn't work in, and we we want to know why.
0: And how, What do you think? This I mean, it's an impossible question, I guess. But obviously, all the work you're doing with Susan Mackey, and and we're looking at you know what pedagogies around this, where mm. it doesn't work, learning those lessons. It's an ongoing process. Where do you think that you can you know what's the time scale on this where you, where you can feel confident in yourself that you're pretty sure it's being done properly, how you would do it in most schools? Is there an end point in mind where you think "I'm close to this or I'm not very close to this or
1: um, Yeah, you're right. it's an impossible question it's, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, have, I don't know, but it's only in the last even though I've been at this enterprise for many years, so many in the last two to three years, we've recognized that it isn't intuitive. Mm. Um, even if you, a teacher has uh, a, a true growth mindset, it isn't intuitive how to implement. So we, we've only been um, at the pedagogy, on the pedagogy job for a few years. It will take many, many more years before we would become discouraged. And um, former uh, um, uh, two Stanford PhD students, who are former PhD students who are now professors, Mary Murphy and Stephanie Freiberg, have um, teacher training program, an experimental teacher training program, going in Seattle. They hold summer programs they follow the teachers over the years, they're examining the implementation they're looking at the impact on students so um, uh, there are lots of, not lots of but there are these big initiatives going and um, it's too soon to say well we've got this all wrapped up but I think it's not too soon to say um, we're on the case.
0: Mm. I know plenty of UK teachers who'd like to be part of um, such a trial over here. Actually, I mean, I think that. you mean, my final question is that this is your life's work, and the when I go into schools all around the country now, you know, this, this is something teachers really get. And uh, again, Dylan Williams said, you know, even though it's not been interpreted properly by some of them, the the, the base impact of a of a teacher believing that, not, not just saying, but believing their child can achieve more. I mean, that, that's, pretty, that's a pretty good second best for you, I'm
1: guessing. <laughs> I, it's very gratifying that many educators have come to believe that students are capable of more than they're currently achieving. I, I just think that in itself is extremely gratifying.
0: Well, thank you very much for your time today. It's been really, really interesting
1: talking to you at last. Uh, my pleasure. Cheers, Carol.